Well, there's no other way to spin it. It was a brutal NCAA tournament for the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week, but I didn't think we'd be gearing up for the Sweet 16 and we'd have one Big 12 team in there. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked with our guy, Matthew Poston, who will join us here coming up on the show to talk Big 12 basketball. And I said, hey, I've seen some criticism lately about the Big 12. And the criticism was, well, you know, it's kind of like the SEC has been in football where you've got one team at the top that everybody thinks is really, really good and can win a national championship. And then you got a bunch of solid teams that aren't as good as they're being hyped up to be. And I don't believe that to be the case. I don't. I don't think a lot of people believe that to be the case. But, you know, in the postseason, when you've got a chance to shine and you've got a chance to punch, I thought, four tickets to the Sweet 16. That was fair. The Big 12 could get four teams to the Sweet 16. And they could not come close. They could not come close. Uh, You know, I was disappointed in a couple of teams. Not that I was surprised. Like, West Virginia ran into a hot hand in Syracuse. It still burns my butt because I hate everything about Syracuse. But still, they ran into a hot hand. Arkansas, Texas Tech, okay, that was a uh, tough one. Oregon State beating Oklahoma State was frustrating. But here's the problem. When you're Oklahoma State and you're struggling early and you're a very young team in that spot, second round of the NCAA tournament, biggest game of your life, well, the coach who also hasn't been on that stage, uh, guess what? I mean, that's that's sometimes how it goes. Um, and then, you know, you had the games on Monday, Gonzaga taking care of OU. That was to be expected. And Kansas uh, putting up a total stinker against USC. Yeah, we underrated the Pac-12, all right? I'll admit it. We underrated the Pac-12. But for Kansas to put up 21 points in the first half, and get run out of the building by, I mean, what, 10-minute mark of the first half? 15-minute mark of the first half? That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then, of course, you had the disaster on Saturday. And by that, I mean Texas against Abilene Christian. What an absolute joke of a finish that was for the Texas Longhorns. Losing to Abilene Christian 53-52. to in a game when your opponent was 3 of 18 from downtown and shot under 30% from the floor, and they're Abilene freaking Christian, and you lost the game, my goodness. Like, Texas Tech, or excuse me, Texas and Shaka Smart had a very good season. They won the Big 12 tournament. But it's always dicey to take the team that wins the conference title. They're a little cocky, maybe a little too cocky feeling a little too good about themselves. It happens all the time. We see it all the time. A little lackadaisical. And they roll into the first round of the NCAA tournament, and they lose as a three seed to the 14 seed Abilene Christian Wildcats, in case you were wondering, because I'm sure you didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what they were, but there you have it. The Abilene Christian Wildcats. Yes. News to me? Well, that's news to you as well, I guess. But, like, Shaka Smart... um, 
there's talk about whether or not he should keep his job after this. You know, I made a strong case to keep Tom Herman for a couple of reasons. I thought that the expectations were oftentimes too high. And, you know, he had a good Alamo Bowl. And I I wondered, too, who you were going to get that was better. Now, Chris Del Conte got his guy in Steve Sarkeesian. And based on what's gone on thus far, none of it is, of course, on the field. But based on what has happened thus far, I have understood the move. And the more that I've talked to people, I have also understood the move. With Shaka Smart, I wonder the same thing. Who are you going to get that's better? But I would also say that, you know, Shaka Smart is paid millions of dollars to win NCAA tournament games. And he hasn't won one. He hasn't won one. Not a single one. And, you know, he's been doing this for, what, seven seasons now? That just may be, it just may be inexcusable for Shaka Smart. In, in In a true, when you talk about basketball as well, where you get a couple of good guys and you've completely turned things around. And it's six seasons, not seven. But you're six seasons in and you have not won a single NCAA tournament game. When you've got more resources than 99% of the country in basketball, okay, it's still a football school. That's fine. But it's still Texas, all right? It's not like, well, it's a football school that doesn't care about basketball and has no money for basketball. It's Texas, all right? You've got the hottest city, one of the hottest cities in the country to offer up the kids. You've got a ton of talent right there in your own state as well. You've got your pick of the litter. And to not have a single NCAA tournament win in six seasons is inexcusable. But then you got to look at the flip side of this, which is how do you fire a guy who just won the conference tournament? Like, and now maybe you say, oh, you know, they didn't play Kansas in the semis. They might have lost that game anyway because of COVID. You know, Kansas had the forfeit. Texas moved on and then beat Oklahoma State. Uh, fine. Okay, fine. You can make that excuse. But, man, I'll tell you what. I... This is not one where I really feel strongly about keeping the head coach like I did with Tom Herman. Like, if they blew him out, I'd be like, okay, I, I, I feel bad because they had a really good year and he did win the conference tournament. But at the same time, this was the year to do more. This was the year for, I'm not saying a Final Four. Shaka Smart didn't have to go to a Final Four. He didn't have to go to an Elite Eight. Heck, I'm not sure he had to go to the Sweet 16. But I know this. He couldn't lose to Abilene Christian, and that's what he did. And that's where the conversations, if they're happening, and I'm not convinced that they are, but if they're happening, I can't sit here and question that. I can't sit here and say, no way, no how. How dare you fire shock? Why why would I say, why would I believe that? Why should I believe that? Uh, that's that's where I'm sitting here and I'm saying I'm I'm not happy about it, but I, I do kind of get it. I do. And whichever way it breaks, you know, I can find reasons for both ends of that argument, which I know isn't sexy for what I do, but it's that weird place and that weird case where I do understand it. I do. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, that was, I mean, undoubtedly, obviously, that was the biggest disappointment because that was the only Big 12 team to lose in the first round. The Big 12 was on the verge of going 7-0 and in round of 64 games, and Texas blew it for them, completely blew it for them. 
After that, you understood, right? You said, okay, Illinois took care of Wisconsin, expected. West Virginia ran into a hot hand in Syracuse. Arkansas over Tech, uh, you wish they would have won that game, but that's how it went down. And then Oklahoma State, I believe, should have beaten Oregon State, but a young team, first time in that spot, and that's how it goes down. And Kansas getting blown out. Not shocked they lost, but yes, shocked they got blown out. And now it is just Baylor taking on Villanova. And that is my alma mater, by the way, if you didn't know, Villanova, not Baylor. So, uh, you know, tough for me here. I, I, I love you, Baylor fans, but you know what? It's my alma mater, so I'm sorry. I'm rolling with my number five seed Wildcats. But if you were to just say to me, hey, who's going to win that game? It's Baylor. It's Baylor. I, you know, Villanova, just so you guys know, Villanova lost uh, its starting point guard, Colin Gillespie, about three weeks ago. He blew out his MCL on senior night. This was uh, the team's best player, arguably. It's leader, you know, four-year senior, and a guy who is the heart and soul of that team. Now, they got to the Sweet 16. They had a relatively easy path against Winthrop in North Texas. This is a different, you know, level of competition in Baylor. But there is a part of this Villanova team, and yes, I'm biased when I say this, but there is a part of this team that just feels like it's got a little bit of a chip on its shoulder. They were counted out. They were a classic pick to be upset in the first round as a 12-5 game. And here they are in the Sweet 16. They've got the pedigree. They've got the head coach. Uh, They do have the best head coach in this game. I'm sorry, Baylor fans. Jay Wright is uh, not just the best head coach in this game. He is the best head coach left in the tournament. Sorry, Jim Boeheim as well at Syracuse, but he is. And uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. If you were to say to me who wins, I still believe, and I'm going to be fair and say Baylor wins, but this has a chance to be what I believe to be the best game in the Sweet 16 because of the matchup, the quality of the programs, uh, Villanova, Baylor, Jay Wright, Scott Drew, everything that'll come with that, the NBA talent that'll be in that game, I believe in some capacity on both sides, and oh boy, it's going to be fun. And that is 4.15 Central Time, by the way, on Saturday. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Great to be with you. Coming up, let's talk to Matthew Postens about the Big 12 and the basketball season coming up next. And before we get to it with Matthew, I want to tell you about our good friends at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag, where they take care of you with our promotional bonus Big 12. That is Big 1-2 at mybookie.ag where when you use our promo code, you do two things. First off, you help the site, you help the podcast, you help us keep growing, which has just, I mean, it is crazy how much we've grown because of you, your word of mouth, your support for this show, your support for our website. It has been absolutely fantastic. And it is really a a thank you to you. And supporting my bookie is another way to do that. And by the way, you get a great deal out of it. You get free money, free money, yes, out of mybookie.com by using our promo code BIG12. So get ready for the Sweet 16 this weekend. Uh, We've got Baylor in there, but obviously it's going to be a heck of a weekend across college basketball. And get in right now with our promo code BIG12. That is BIG12. You don't want to miss out, especially as we head down the home stretch of the college basketball season. Now's the time to do it because after this, there's that lull, right? Until college football picks back up. So mybookie.com or mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12. That is BIG12. Mm-hmm. 
Well, as we've been doing throughout the college basketball season, we are talking with our guy Matthew Postins about the uh, Big 12 hoop season thus far. Of course, we're in the middle of the NCAA tournament. Sweet 16 is this weekend, and unfortunately, only one Big 12 team remains. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com, of course, is the site for everything Big 12. Well, Matthew, I just said it. We got one team left. It is the Baylor Bears, a one seed. How big of a disappointment is it for the Big 12 that there is only one team in the Sweet 16 based on how this season went? Uh, I, I think they have to be somewhat disappointed as a conference. I mean, there are certain vagaries in a tournament like this. It's a one-off environment. If you lose, you're out. Um, everything's magnified because it's the end of the season. And, you know, not all seven of these Big 12 teams are going to make the Sweet 16, just as not all the the nine Big 10 teams were going to make the Sweet 16. But both conferences, whom I think all of us acknowledge is, you know, the best two conferences in the country this year. Neither one of them sent more than one team to the Sweet 16. And that's just kind of how it is in March, you know, when you get to this point. Um, I think the good news for the Big 12 is that they they beat all of their uh, first-round opponents, except for Texas beating Abilene Christian, and oddly enough, that kind of set the tone for the second round. Uh, the Pac-12 just got ahead of steam and, and got everybody in the Sweet 16 just about. They had a great first two games, and you know sometimes in March, these things just happen. Uh, I think to a certain degree, I can be guilty, and I think all of us can be guilty of looking at the Big 12 through Big 12 goggles, so to speak, and seeing everything through the prism of that conference, and I think there's no question in my mind that it's one of the best conferences in the country, but there's also no question in my mind that when they got into the tournament, they simply underperformed. There's no way around it. Yeah, I, there is no way around it. And is that you said it right there? It's just March. Um, you know, it's it's a mm-hmm. one and done format. It's a different year. But is there one of these losses that really? Di- I mean, you Texas is the obvious one, so we'll leave that out of it because they were the only team to lose in the first round. Those second round losses, is there's one of those losses that really makes you scratch your head that disappointed you as a as a Big 12 proponent? I, I think Oklahoma State losing to Oregon State. And, you know, Oregon State had a nice head of steam coming into the tournament. You know, I saw them in the Pac-12 championship game beat Colorado. They're a good team, but they're by no means, I think, better than Oklahoma State. Uh, the game even kind of fell into a situation that actually worked for them. Ethan Thompson, their best player for Oregon State, got into foul trouble early. And wouldn't you know it, a kid named Maurice Kalu, who is familiar to Oklahoma State fans because he started his career at Oklahoma State, came off the bench and scored 15 points in the first half and kind of got them through that rough patch. And from there, the Cowboys, even though they made a couple of runs in the second half, they were never able to quite get over the hump and get into the lead. And it was the same way with West Virginia against Syracuse and Texas Tech against Arkansas. You know, the vast majority of those second-round games, it was the Big 12 team falling behind by a big margin, trying to get back into the game, nearly getting there, and just not being able to get over the hump. And that was kind of the theme in that second round. You know, aside from Baylor, nobody else in the conference could get over the hump. And, you know, with Oklahoma State, with the matchup they had, that's the game where I was like, "Eh, that's a missed opportunity for them. They really should have won that game. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Uh, I wanted to see, heck, I mean, I was hoping we'd see four, maybe five Big 12 teams make it to uh, the Sweet 16. And I know five was probably a stretch, but I thought three, four could do it. 
Here we are with one. It, it, what is your takeaway, just big picture of March Madness as a whole, Matthew, top to bottom, when you look at uh, at where we've been so far in the tournament? Well, I look at my bracket, and I've got five Sweet 16 teams left, so what do I know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, we had a 15 seed win two games and get to the Sweet 16 again in Oral Roberts. We had North Texas beating Purdue in the first round. We had, um, you know, you know, Maryland upsetting UConn. We had a team I thought was going to have a really good run. Georgetown is a 12 seed lost in the first round to Colorado. I mean, it's just, it's really insane. Ohio State losing in the first round to uh, Oral Roberts. It's just, it's why we love this tournament, why we missed it so much last year. Uh, it's just, it's great to have it back. And even with my bracket being basically literally destroyed, um, I'm glad it's back. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Matthew, uh, Texas, Shaka Smart, mentioned that first-round loss to Abilene Christian earlier. Uh, don't need to really dive into the game, but you wrote a piece just kind of wondering how secure his job is. He has not won an NCAA tournament game in his tenure there. He did win the Big 12 tournaments. I know the semifinal against Kansas was a forfeit, but still, he did win a Big 12 tournament. It is Texas, though. Uh, he's getting paid a lot of money to win in March. He has not done it yet outside of an NIT, which, you know, you don't get paid millions of dollars at Texas to win the NIT. So what do you think the uh, the conversations are there in Austin and how concerned should Shaka Smart be about his job? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch because, you know, Chris Del Conte didn't have any compunction about, you know, firing Tom Herman during a pandemic, although he tried to hire Urban Meyer, couldn't do it, and then let Herman believed he was safe for a month and a half, month and a half, and then fired him anyway. So, um, I think the things working for Shaka Smart are, like you said, they won the Big Twelve tournament. Um, they've got a really good recruiting class coming in. He recruits well. There's no question he's able to bring, you know, top shelf guys to Austin. Um, I think the things working against him, you know, whether he stays or whether he goes, is that there's going to be a lot of turnover on this roster next year. A couple of kids have already submitted their names to the transfer portal you know, backup guys, guys that haven't played a whole lot, but there's a lot of seniors in this team. There's a couple of guys that could decide to go to the NBA on this team. Uh, this team could look a lot different uh, than it does right now. And that, that might actually work in his favor because, you know, do you really want to hire a new coach to have to deal with all of that upheaval when you've got the guy who basically brought all of these guys in and can coach them next year? I think the real I, I think the Moody Center, their new building, is a big factor in this. You know, they want to fill that up, you know, post-pandemic. They want to start making money off of that building. Will fans come if the product in the court is not stellar? Um, it's a good question. I personally think he won't get fired, but I also think there's going to be questions surrounding him for the next few weeks until, you know, Del Conte gives him that dreaded vote of confidence. Yeah. All right, Matthew, let's talk about the one game left because, you know, I, I, there's going to be a lot of talk around Shaka Smart, but in terms of what's left on the court, we do have one team in it, Baylor, a one seed, and they're taking on my alma mater, Villanova. So I'm staying out of this one. I can't call it fairly. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you think about this game, and what does Baylor need to do to beat a Villanova team that is without Colin Gillespie at starting point guard? Um, you know, they got a pretty easy route to the Sweet 16 in all fairness. But what does Baylor need to do to stop really Jay Wright because he is arguably the best coach in America? Once again, I say that from a biased perspective. <laughs> well, I think what Jay has done with that team, you know, having lost Colin Gillespie so late in the season and, and being able to kind of turn them around uh, is, is a, 
really kind of a testament to his ability. He's on the Hall of Fame ballot. I think he might actually get in uh, this year. Um, you know, they've still got Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, he shared Big East Player of the Year honors with uh, Colin Gillespie. Um, they've got an experienced starting lineup. They've got uh, a good defensive mindset. They play in a conference where they really value defense. So I think they match up, you know, pretty favorably, favorably with Baylor when you look at their starting five. You know, when you lose a guy like Colin Gillespie, you don't just lose his scoring and his ability. You also lose that first or second guy that comes off your bench because you know, on some teams that can be a vital source of offense or a vital source of defense for you. And that player may not necessarily be suited to being a starter. So it impacts your, your starting rotation, but it also impacts your bench rotation too. And when you consider how deep Baylor is, they can play eight guys without losing a whole lot on the floor. Um, I think that's kind of where it comes into play for me, Baylor, just keep doing what you're doing. If you watch the Wisconsin game on Sunday, you know, it's clear that they're in a groove right now. They're playing great defense. They're shooting well. Uh, they've even added a, added a little um, alley-oop, you know, presence to their game with Flo Thamba and Jonathan Chamba Chachua. Uh, it's not quite in rhythm yet, but it's giving them a little bit of an added dimension so that, um, you know, teams that are trying to focus on Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell and Macy Oteague, um, they've now got to worry about them going over the top for a dunk on occasion. So, um, I feel like Villanova is going to hang in there. They're going to play great defense. Uh, they're going to have a really good start to the game. But, you know, ultimately, with it being 40 minutes and Villanova being down a player, I think as you get later into that game in the second half, I think that's where you're going to see Baylor start to pull away a little bit. All right. Well, he's Matthew Postens, of course, uh, calling the shots every week here for Big 12 Hoops on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Matthew, we will hope – well, you know, I don't want to say that. I was going to say hopefully see a Big 12 team in the Final Four, but that means my alma mater loses. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess for me it's a win-win either way. But we will do this again, and we will see how this, uh, this weekend plays out. And we always appreciate the insights, my friend. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Pete. Coming up, let's talk some spring football. Yes, that's getting underway as well, and we'll wrap up the show with it on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week and the Sweet 16 this weekend, so be sure to enjoy it. But we also, of course, are starting uh, spring football for a bunch of Big 12 teams this week. That includes Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor. So I just want to go through that here for a few minutes while we have time wrapping up the show. Uh, we'll start with the Oklahoma Sooners, where to me, when I look at like what the the storylines are that I'm watching here for OU, they've won six straight Big 12 titles. They will be the favorite. Uh, sorry, Iowa State fans, but Oklahoma deserves to be the favorite until proven otherwise in the Big 12 Conference. Um, and last year was the year to pick them off. I mean, let's be honest. Working in a redshirt freshman quarterback, last year was the year to pick off the Sooners, and it didn't happen. And especially with how they got off the year going, right? Look back on last year and you said to yourself, wait, this team came back and basically ran the table after the start of the uh, 2020 football season. Yeah. Yeah, they did. After losing two games, they took care of business. I know. I know. Kansas State, Iowa State, and then boom, rolling from there uh, to another big 12 conference title. So 
Boy, uh, it's their conference until proven otherwise. But I look at the running back position. I want to see what Kennedy Brooks is look like, looking like after sitting out of 2020. Uh, Seth McGowan is back. But more importantly, some of these transfers. Eric Gray, the Tennessee dude coming in. Uh, I want to see what his deal is. I want to see uh, whether this is going to be a three-headed monster rushing attack, whether it's Kennedy Brooks and then Eric Gray, Seth McGowan kind of as a – uh, 2A, 2B, like, what is that set up like? We may not find out in spring, but at least we'll get a little early look at that. The offensive line, Creed Humphrey is gone. Um, that was to be expected. He is off to the NFL. But now the question is, who are those guys that are going to be filling that void on the offensive line? Took a slight step back last year. But we know this about Coach Bendenbaugh, the offensive line coach. He churns them out, man. I mean, they've got NFL guys all over the place coming out of OU on the offensive line. And there are going to be a lot of guys that are, are going to try to uh, make that line better than it was last year. It was good last year, don't get me wrong. But by OU standards, it was not at its usual level. So I'm keeping an eye on that. And then uh, cornerback as well. Cornerback as well. Where do they go there? There's uh, Trey Brown is out of the mix. He's gone. So I want to I see what those cornerback battles look like going into this spring. But the Texas Longhorns, first and foremost, quarterback, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card. What direction do they go? Steve Sarkeesian did come out this week, the new head coach, and say that they will split reps. Those two guys will be splitting reps this spring. So that's a quarterback battle at a blue blood. Everyone's going to be watching that, obviously. And Casey Thompson, by the way, looked really good. Looked really good in that Alamo Bowl performance against Colorado. Uh, four touchdown passes. But you never want to put too much stock into a bowl game like that, right? That's that's always a dangerous thing to do. Wide receiver. Brendan Eagles off to the NFL. Same with Tariq Black. I mean, who who are those guys there? Who's left? By the way, Jake Smith, uh, leg injury. He's missing spring camp. So Jordan Whittington, uh, Kelvante Dixon. Uh, there are some other guys that you're going to have to obviously keep an eye on here for the uh, Texas Longhorns. And then outside linebacker. And just in general, what they do differently under Pete Kwiatkowski, the new defensive coordinator from Washington. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what that side of the ball looks like under him, how things might be different, how they might be better. I mean, does a guy like Alabama transfer Ben Davis light things up? Uh, he came in obviously knowing many guys on the coaching staff. But at one point, Ben Davis, coming out of high school in the class of 2016, was the number one inside linebacker in the nation and a top 10 prospect. He never lived up to those expectations at Alabama, uh, but he's 6'4", 250, and he's going to have a shot to get some serious playing time. Serious playing time. And I want to see what he can do. I mean, he only played in eight games over the past two seasons, had seven total tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a sack. If he's going to have a big year, if he's going to have a shot of playing at the next level, it's going to have to happen this season. So, like, what does a guy like that do in spring camp? I'm intrigued by names and faces like Ben Davis at uh, Texas Longhorns football spring camp. And just Steve Sarkeesian in general. How does he compare to Tom Herman? Interactions with the media, what that's like, the fans. I, th those are all things I'm interested 
in following for Texas. Anytime you get a new head coach at Texas, obviously, that is a uh, storyline to keep an eye on. And then you've got the Baylor Bears. Three things that I'm looking at here for the Baylor Bears as they get things going. Well, the Baylor Bears, I want to know what exactly is going on at quarterback. Charlie Brewer, of course, is off to Utah. So they got to figure out what's going on there. I, I like Jacob Zeno more than I like Jerry Bohannon, just based on what I've seen from those two guys. Um, and, and that's something I want to watch closely. Running back as well. Uh, what happens there? They didn't have a single running back with over 300 rushing yards last year. That's partially the offensive line's fault, but it also, also, also is just, you know, not having the guys that got to get the job done. So they'll get back Treston Ebner. They've got guys like Coylon Jones, Tay McWilliams, who else is there? And that leads me into the offensive line. Defense was pretty solid last year, but that other side of the ball has got to get squared out. So what is the offensive line deal for the Baylor Bears? And how does that improve going forward? It settled as the season went on last year, but it was never great. And it's got to get better. And by the way, I, I don't want to forget the West Virginia Mountaineers, but they, of course, also are starting spring camp here this week. They're later in the week, um, just so you guys know when the show is pushed out, middle of the week, they're later in the week. But just to give you some insight there, the biggest story to watch for West Virginia is what exactly happens at quarterback. Is it Jared Dagey? Does, uh, you know, does a guy like um, Garrett Green get a serious look? He should. Jarrett Dagey did not do enough last year in my eyes to sit there and say, yeah, yeah, that, that dude, he's your lock starter next season, no doubt about it. I don't think he deserves that based on how he played last season. So if I'm thinking about the biggest item that I'm watching heading into spring camp for the West Virginia Mountaineers, it is that quarterback position. And I just want to see a good old-fashioned quarterback competition there in Morgantown. That's what I want to see, and I hope that ultimately is what we get. Um, but we'll dive into that more as, as the weeks roll along here for all of these spring camps and, you know, what's going to be happening and who's going to be, uh, who's going to be the talk of the town, so to speak. That's what's going to be interesting. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet and please leave a five-star rating and review on this show on itunes because we've got free heartland college sports koozies for you when you do it so yes leave that rating review send me a screenshot of your rating and review to pete mundo m-u-n-d-o at heartlandcollegesports.com and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you and don't forget about our friends at mybookie.ag the promo code big 12 that is big one two for a one hundred percent sign up bonus appreciate you guys and i uh, will talk to you soon